Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever else to get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com or follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Today's guest is Julie Regano, currently one of the writers of Sansom Street Hell House, which is Philly Improv Theater's Halloween-themed sketch comedy show. Julie's first sketch is called Patriarchy Bingo. Julie reads the roles of Jessica, Amanda, and the spokeswoman, and I read the roles of Dan and Bill and give you all the visual information you'll need to know. All right, let's go to the sketch. Interior office. Jessica, a white woman, Dan, the boss, and Bill, a co-worker, are sitting at a table in a conference room in a meeting. The spokeswoman is sitting at the table with her back to the audience. They're in professional business wear. So who has some new ideas? Well, I was thinking if we put one large communal pool in the center of the development, it would help with some of the zoning. Here's the thing. Zoning codes are going to kill us. We gotta do just one big pool. Great work as usual, Dan. I, I was actually. See, Jesse. I told you I don't like being called Jesse. See, it's just one big pool, okay, Jesse? So instead of many smaller pools, it's just one. Right, and it's gonna help with the zoning issues. Keep up, keep those good ideas coming, Bill. Spotlight on the spokeswoman as she turns around to face the audience. Has this ever happened to you? Well, now working at the office doesn't have to degrade your worth and value. It can be fun. The spokeswoman holds up multiple patriarchy bingo cards. With patriarchy bingo. Now, each time your life is made worse because you're not a cisgender man, it just means you're one square closer to winning. Jessica walks over to the spokeswoman who hands a patriarchy bingo card to her from her briefcase. Patriarchy Bingo covers all the ways the patriarchy can fuck up your day in five bingo-tastic categories. The categories will appear on screen as the spokeswoman announced them. Belittling, ignoring, no-no touches, guy stuff, and oh my god, what year do you think it is? Oh, there's even a free Me Too square in the middle. This looks like it was made for me. Me too. Me too. Now, try going back to work armed with your patriarchy bingo cards. The spokeswoman does finger gun get gestures. Hey, a needless reference to violence and or firearms as a way to feel a sense of strength and power. Guy stuff. Now you're getting it. Jessica turns her attention back to the meeting. Okay, a few more things on the agenda. A few people have complained about the mess in the kitchen. Can we have some volunteers to clean it up, Jessie? B. Belittling. Domestic expectations at work, which are clearly not a part of my job description. Jessica smiles as she checks off a box. Hey, there's that smile. We're so sick of your resting bitch face. That's actually very offensive. Yeah, Dan and I were just saying how you should smile more. This is ridiculous. I'm going to HR and first check your bingo card. Oh, 
Ignoring basic demands for a respectful workplace. Yes! Isn't this better than trying to actually solve the issue? Wait, what? Patriarchy bingo is perfect for going to the mechanic alone, talking to your father, answering your front door, or any other time you interact with people in any way at any time. Amanda, a woman of color, enters holding a patriarchy bingo card and Jessica approaches her. Amanda, you've got to try patriarchy bingo. You mean the bingo card I've been carrying around and told you about two weeks ago? Amanda checks off a box on her card. Wait, what did you just check off? Oh, Amanda is using our person of color expansion pack. Jessica peers over the Jessica peers over at Amanda's bingo card confused. Wait, why does yours look different than mine? Bingo! And now, check our Patriarchy Bingo app for the oppressed woman on the go. Patriarchy Bingo, brought to you by white men. Why dismantle systems of oppression when they can be so fun? Hey, Julie. Hey, Josh. All right. So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about patriarchy bingo. Yeah. So um, I was taking a sketch 101 class for uh, at Philly Improv Theater. And it was just around the time when we're about to write our first sketch. And I was trying to come up with ideas. And then at work that day, um, I had to go to a training that I had sort of already been to um so for so i had been informally trained on a system and then i got formally trained on a system uh with everyone else again and then later that day the ceo of the company brought all of us temp workers into his office and gave us a worse redundant training of this this is my third training at this point Literally an hour went by. I zoned out. I don't remember what happened, but it was just like so awful and it just like reeked of patriarchal bullshit. Um, and at the end of it, he was like, don't humor me. Was this helpful? And I was like, <laughs> no. I mean, I didn't say no because I wanted to be able to pay my rent, but <laughs> everyone else said yes. And I literally just didn't say anything. Um and so I you thought still to my, him? Yes. Uh, and I thought to myself, a great way to pass the time it would have been if I had like a patriarchy bingo card. And mm. that's how the sketch was born. All right. So you mentioned uh, Sketch 101. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was the instructor for your 101 class? I had Jolie Darrow and it was amazing. I had such a great class. And um, I feel weird being like, Jolie was the best. And I was also her last class, so don't try to sign up. <laughs> don't try to find Jolie on the Fit website. Yeah, like she, the last couple of people I've talked to have been through Jolie's. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, class system, yeah. Like, and she's successful. great. Like, she's awesome. Oh, uh, Jolie is so great. Not that I've had her in class. Actually, I took uh, Sketch Two Hundred One with her. Uh, As your instructor? Or? No, no, she was in the class with me. Oh, like, cool. I had taken some time off from comedy and to get my feet wet again, I decided to take sketch 201 again. And there's a class of like 12 of us and she was there too. And 
But it's uh, always good. I mean, I I enjoy those classes uh, for nothing else to like have some time like dedicated. Yeah. To comedy like once a week. Uh, yeah, that's one of the the big bonuses, at least for me, is like, uh, you're forced to have a deadline. You're forced mm-hmm. to do the work. Like, exactly. It's very helpful in that way. Right, and Jolie was always really good about you know do the do the work. It's so important. But if you don't, don't not come to class. Mm. You know, because she it was also like, hey, I had an uh, explosion at work, so I didn't write a sketch. Cause I slept instead and she's like, yeah, that was a good call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, yeah. Deadlines are cool, but at the same time it is a voluntary. Right. Personal, uh, like personal enrichment, like class. It's not, you're not getting. Right. Exactly. A degree is not a degree in future careers and really hanging over your head with it. So mm-hmm. self-care is just as important. Right. It was more about like accountability for yourself um, and if your accountability was more important to your sleep that week, <laughs> then yeah. Uh, okay. So let's go all the way back. Um, okay. what, what were you into growing up? What was your comedy fandom? What were you watching? Um, I was watching, I love Lucy and Mel Brooks movies. Uh, Animaniacs was, is my jam. I love the Animaniacs and I have two older brothers um, and like they like we are Yakko, Wacko and Dot. It just like made it that much better for us. Uh, There's this I I feel like. um, okay, so there's this screwball comedy from the 1970s that not a lot of people know. But as I like get more into comedy, more people know it. So maybe it'll be recognized it's called what's up doc yeah absolutely yes okay thank goodness see i just needed to find my people because i would say (laughs) that to like normies and uh, like civilians and they would just be like i don't know and i'm like madeline khan i have to i have to revisit it because i know my parents had the vhs of it Mm -hmm. and i just randomly sat and watched it one day because i was very confused by it and I think watching it, I was just even more confused because I just didn't understand. Like, I was too young. I, I wasn't. See, my first memory of watching What's Up Doc is me asking if we could watch What's Up Doc again. Like, mm-hmm. that's how prevalent it was in my uh, childhood. It's Barbara Streisand. Mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill. Yeah, Ryan O'Neill. Um, yeah. Peter. Um, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich, the- yeah. And he director. like just came out with another uh, movie recently, and I meant to see it, but it seemed like that same kind of screwball mm. thing. And um, oh, what's his name? Who plays the? Uh, uh, I think he was the father in Finding Nemo. Oh gosh, I'm turning into Albert my Brooks? mother. No, and he wasn't the father in Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just like that was fun to like trivia, but that wasn't the name I needed. Um, Kenneth Mars is in it too. Austin Pendleton. Oh, I definitely have to read revisit this. I totally forgot about all these people that were. Yeah, Austin Pendleton uh, is just fantastic in it, and my brother actually. Michael Murphy. A... What? Michael Murphy. Yeah. Randy Quaid's in it at some point. Mm-hmm. A ton of other names I don't recognize. Right. As I look up the Wikipedia page. 
but my brother um like ran into Austin Pendleton uh in a rehearsal space in New York recently because he's in theater in New York mm-hmm. and uh he was you know he just did the sort of you know I just have to say what's up doc it's my favorite movie uh you know it, it it was it was so so great and like the Austin Pendleton's first reaction was like that movie was hard to film but yeah it was fun <laughs> but like the first thing was like oh that shit show Austin Pendleton is Gurgle in Fighting Nemo. Okay, he's in it. I knew. I that. don't know what Gurgle, which who Gurgle he's, is. I think he's the nervous one in who likes it to be clean in the tank. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's like, fine. Well, but that name career is that name doesn't sound familiar to me. But when I I did a quick, I was like, oh, that face is definitely. Yeah, he's one of those guys that has been in a ton of stuff that I would have never mm-hmm. put a name to. Yeah, Madeline okay. Kahn though. Oh. Yeah, she's. Um, she's, she's in both of my favorite movies she's such a bummer because like she's <sighs> so like was <laughs> no she's she i'm i'm going present with this like she's so like okay uh preeminent in some of like some of these movies like the mel brooks mm-hmm. movies of the 70s and like yeah and i really don't know what she was like like clue in the 80s <sighs> and i don't think she gets the love that she deserves. I like, unfortunately she died relatively young. Right. Like, and now she's like the last bit of her life is going to be marred a bit by the Cosby show. Like, cause she was on that second Cosby show. Oh, I come. No. Why did you do that to Madeline Kahn to well, me? I'm, I'm, like I'm saying like, no, I get that. Her big, uh, the her last big chunk of work is now completely tainted. Like, I mean, yeah, but to me, Madeline Kahn will always be like the first thing that comes to mind for me will always be Blazing Saddles mm-hmm. and then Clue and What's Up Doc. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly because those were the like I had that reaction <laughs> just now when you mentioned the Cosby Show, but yeah, I I think the rest of her work stands strong enough that like the bit that is associated, you know. No one was going to remember that. First off, no one's going to remember that Cosby show to begin with. Right. It wasn't on the same wavelength as the the previous one. Right. And it's just, it just sucks that she died, you know, early fifties when she still could have like had another 20 years of awesome. At least. I mean, who knows what kind of role she would have stolen from Betty White. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't know. Oh, maybe. I mean, I guess at a certain age. I, like, right. An eventually. older woman's an older woman. Exactly. And they can age. What cool grandmother role she would have on some sitcom or oh. weird movie or. Honestly, I just want to see a movie about Madeline, like Madeline Kahn's weird grandmother. <laughs> Not Like Madeline Kahn as a weird grandmother. Like I want her to be the central character. <laughs> I don't want her to be. I was about to say side piece, but that's really not the word i want like, to use um, like the one i'm thinking of right now and it might be bad to kick her out but that movie that melissa mccarthy did mm-hmm. with susan sarandon as her grandmother i think it's like tammy or something oh yeah that's now all i'm thinking about is if madeline oh, Kahn was in that role me too love susan don't get me wrong <laughs> but madeline love Cal- you, Suze. 
but my one called might have been a fun switch up. Oh my gosh, that would have been so fun. And also, I'm sure, like, for me, it's more of just like any, like, I would just see a movie. Like, if Susie had to get that role, I just want to see a movie with Madeline Kahn and <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Um, what's your introduction to sketch comedy? My introduction to sketch comedy? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, like, I always say that Animaniacs counts. Oh, absolutely. Because it is basically seven minute bits. Right. Um, but like live action, like when do you find out about Saturday Night Live or? Uh, well, first it was definitely Monty Python. How do people find out Monty, Monty Python? But I don't. Uh, that's one of those things in my yeah, head that's so confusing to me. Like maybe I was just so late on the Monty Python train, but like. My dad would just like, my parents were very much of the opinion of like, kids don't know anything. So I'm going to play the music I want to listen to. Which is why, like, I only listened to musical theater and show tunes growing up. And I was, like, you know, I had no concept of popular music. Mm. Um, still, people, like, mention bands to me. And I'm like, but Tom Lair. <laughs> uh, so, I like, I just, records were playing all the time. Like, it was just in the house. It was just in the atmosphere. Um, that, like, by the time I was seeking out my own comedy like my foundation was already like I knew at least a Monty Python sketch that I was like, well, what else do they do? Um, or like the Marx brothers. I don't know if you would count the Marx brothers as. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I would like, I would because of the whole like vaudeville tradition that they come from. Exactly. Like, I don't think I've seen any other movies since I was super young either. So that's another revisit list, but mm. they absolutely um, do have a sketch comedy pedigree element. To yeah. So just, I think that's because my parents were like, well, we know this is good, so we're going to play it. And like, our kids will have good taste. Mm. Uh, when I was searching for a comedy, it was like, well, I already know the parrot sketch. Mm -hmm. So what's this cheese shop thing? Yeah, I think my introduction to, to Monty Python in general was when they did that parrot sketch they redid the parrot sketch on an episode of Saturday Night Live like oh, yeah? in like 97 or so mm -hmm. 96 97 ish and it does not get the reaction that from the audience is criminal but I believe um one of them said like I forget if it was Cleese or like who which one of them said it, but they were just like, yeah, everyone in the audience was mouthing along with us, like, oh. instead of laughing. So I was like, okay, maybe that's, oh, that's because that sketch was like 25, 30 years old by the time they redid it on Saturday Night Live. And yeah, but I don't know if I had the opportunity to see them do it live. Yeah. Even if, even if I knew it by heart. Because let me tell you, I can recite all of What's Up Doc by heart, and I still laugh out loud every time I see it. And if I had the like chance to have Madeline Kahn in my... Well, okay, that's a whole separate <laughs> thing. That is a shame. It's one of those things where it's... Like, I, I can just imagine, like... I can't imagine if I were Monty Python. But, like, if you were in that position where you had a sketch that was so famous that you're looking at while you're performing it, and people are mouthing along. It's like, well, I can tell that you 
you've enjoyed it. Yeah. But I've missed your enjoyment. And now I feel redundant up here, but let's keep going. Yeah, they did in 1997. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get into SNL until way later. And I think that's just because, like, I'm a nerd. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't even remember the, like, being introduced to SNL as a big thing. Okay. Like, I don't remember the introduction to SNL. I remember my aunt actually, um, I don't know if she still does, but she used to do all of the dog handling on SNL. What? Yeah. So, like, my brother's been on SNL. What? Um, yeah. Crazy. And because, like, they had, they had to have an on-screen dog. Mm-hmm. So he had already been there a few times. Um he had already been there a few times to do the offset things, you know, uh, like Kelly Ripa hands the dog to my aunt, my aunt hands the dog to my brother type of like that. So um, like, and you might not know that like, if you're not completely mm-hmm. immersed in SNL history, but you remember the, the dog show um, sketches with Will Ferrell and Molly Shannon? Oh yeah, no, I am. That is on my catch up list <laughs> but like now i'm wondering like were those your aunt's dogs like possibly i mean i don't i don't know if she was there that, that long ago mm-hmm. that early um just because i don't know like where she was in her career sure, sure. at that point um but she definitely did a, a sketch with kelly ripa actually the sketch my brother is in is one of my favorite sketches it's the of mice and men one with like it's Bobby Moynihan's first season, and it's like his first big sketch, and um, James Franco is playing Lenny or George. I should know which one, <laughs> and like about to kill uh, George, and George turns around and is like, "What's going on?" And like they have to like backtrack and everything, and George kind of figures it out, and then. Uh, uh, um, like the crowd comes in catching up with them and George sends them after Lenny. Um, it's much funnier than what I just described, but it's it's really cool that it's like one of my favorite sketches and then it's like, hey, Paul. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite Saturday Night Live cast member, favorite SNL alumni? Um, alumni is or, real or, tough. Or current, you know, just pick somebody. I would have to separate between alumni and current okay. uh, alumni. I would have like the one that comes to mind most um, is like Jason Sudeikis. Mm. I love. I think his you're level. the first person that says Sudeikis. I love Sudeikis. I, I have always loved Sudeikis. I think you're the first. I'd have to look at my list, but he he's a name that has not come up yet. And I, I get that. I get it too, because like he's he's a chameleon. He's I want to say he's almost in that like Phil Hartman role of like yeah. blending in. Mm-hmm. There's not many. And there's not was, many sketches where he's the star. Like, but he adds so much to all a, the sketches he's, he's in. Absolutely, and I think there's also that he he was on when so many other people mm-hmm. had specific characters or gimmicks. Yeah. So it was like, oh, I love Target Lady, you know. So like, and that's very specifically only Kristen Wiig, mm. whereas Jason Sudeikis, other than The Devil, which he did on Weekend Update, which I just loved so much. Basically, anytime 
like anything terrible happened, the devil would come on to commentate and he would be disgusted mm-hmm. by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like he, he did a ton of like uh, impressions and whenever, yeah. he, like whenever he was a, like a character character, he wasn't the, the big laugh. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't necessarily the straight man, but he wasn't. He wasn't the punchline. Yeah. Like he was the side game. Yeah. Like the, um, I loved him and uh, Kristen Wiig as the a-holes. I was about to say that, yeah. And Kristen gets all the laughs in it. Where he's propelling, like, he's propelling Mm -hmm. the story of the scene where she gets the punchlines. And to me, that's kind of going to go controversial. I don't, it is part of the reason, part of what I don't like about Kristen Wiig. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. I was trying really hard to say I don't like Kristen Wiig, and I just said it. Um, and it's not that I like I, I do enjoy a lot of her performances. It's just that, especially on SNL, I felt like they got very repetitive, and like all of them were exaggerated. She's, so I was like, very "Where's big, your range?" Yes. Sure. Whereas with Jason Sudeikis, I always saw range, which is why for me he's higher on the list. Okay. Um, that's that's totally fair. Um, you mentioned separating. So do you have a current? I mean, I I say, and it's only kind of a joke that I'm in comedy. So I'm going to, because I want to marry Kate McKinnon. <laughs> uh, that That's the main reason that I'm getting into comedy. Because I figure um, by the time I'm writing on SNL, <laughs> she'll come back as a host. As a host. Because I'm not that delusional. <laughs> okay. But she's going to come back as a host. Or at least a special um, appearance that week. She can, you know, she can be that that pop off like Donald okay, Trump thing where she just a, shows up a, one week. That's true, but for our love story, <laughs> and it is a love story, like true romance. Um, so she comes back. We write a sketch together. We have just like so much fun that week, and then um, we end up together forever. Uh, she is seeing someone right now. How dare her? But you know what? I think it's good because, um, first of all, she doesn't know me yet. So you can't blame her. I, I don't blame her for her ignorance. <laughs> um, and, you know, I want her to have had a big relationship before we get together. I, I want there to be some emotional maturity in my life partner. So I'm just, like, really happy for her right now. Like, it is hard, but... I know we'll get there. She, um, I find her very interesting. Oh no! The, no, like no, 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 no. Okay, just go, just go um, ahead. I can take it. That in the last like year and a half or so, she has fully embraced the idea of prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Like she's wearing some kind of neck and chin piece. At all, at least once a year, once an episode now, and I I find it very interesting to me. I mean, she had the blobfish, the blob mermaid before, and that's a hell of a lot of prosthetics, and that has to look uncomfortable. Like it has to be uncomfortable to wear. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Um, it's. But now she's like Jeff Sessions, 
Yeah. Uh, I, was she is she doing Lindsey Graham? She did Lindsey Graham this yeah this week and last week that, I think. That actress, the old actress from old Hollywood. Oh, Diane. Whatever. Her, like. Isn't it Diane? And I think that I yeah. think that sketch was the last one this week. So she just wore. It. She continued to wear it during the good nights. Wow. Where she still had like old lady neck, and I was just like, oh, Kate. <laughs> just. And. <laughs> good for you. You do you, Kate. <laughs> As so... much as as much as I love Kate, just for the sake of the the logistics of writing a sketch where Lindsey Graham and Jeff Sessions talk to each other, like I love Kate, but every time it's a political sketch, I feel like she's always uh, the one impersonating. Mm. Um, yeah. All right, so. Uh, where do you get the itch to find where to get to comedy yourself? Like, and I believe you took that one-on-one class like fairly. I took it this summer. Yeah. So fairly recently. Yeah. For people that I normally talk to. Um, so how do you find out about comedy in Philadelphia? What's your first step to doing comedy in Philadelphia? Uh, getting to know Jack O'Keefe. It's a big thing. Um, Really, look, uh, Philly Improv Theater has so many great Facebook groups um, where they post a lot of the opportunities. Um, But how did you even find out about Philly Improv Theater? Oh, how did I even find out about Philly Improv Theater? I think I just, uh, um, I had been doing stand-up when I was living in New York. Um, And by that, I mean, I did stand-up twice at (laughs) an open, at you know, the same open mic, two different nights. And it was the most terrifying thing i've ever done that didn't involve a threat of death okay and i was just like i like comedy but this isn't working and then i just kind of had a light bulb moment of everything that you do in your free time is like sketch related like either watching old uh britannic sketches uh brian uh uh, brian michael haney and nick coacher Mm -hmm. who write for snl now um or like watching a Michael Schur show or thinking about a Michael Schur show. So like, I, I guess I just Googled like comedy Philadelphia. Like it might have been that benign of a search. Um, I do have uh, some friends who were in Philadelphia. I probably reached out to them mm-hmm. actually now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, Emily, I went to college with Emily Kinslow, who's performed at Philly Improv sure. Theater um, and Good Good. Currently member of the Decoy, I believe, still. Yes. I think. Yeah. Um, so I think I put out some feelers, and I'd like seen Philly Improv Theater. Also, what I liked about the Philly Improv uh, was they have the free intro classes. Mm-hmm. So. I think I saw that there was a free intro class and I was like, just do it, Julie, find your happiness. And after that first free intro class, I felt at home in a way that I hadn't in a really long time. Was it an, an improv or a sketch class? It was a sketch class. With who? Uh, it was supposed to be with Julie, actually, because I was trying to decide if I wanted to take her mm-hmm. class. Um and then, like, I woke up that morning and it was like, Jolie's sick. You're going to have Jack O'Keefe. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> Fuck this. 
oh, this sucks. This is the worst. Jack O'Keefe is the worst thing that could ever happen. Probably. Don't quote me on that. Uh, that's going to get cut <laughs> out, and I'm going to make sure that's his ringtone now. <laughs> Good. Please do. Um, yeah, but I went, and it was just so much fun. And um, I guess, so... Uh, another like fun, weird thing about my childhood is um, my family and I were a professional storytelling troupe. What? Yeah. So we uh, would write, like we had, like we didn't write sketches, obviously, like we had the basic storytelling, the, 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 the fairy tale, but then we would joke them up and put our own spin on it. And we made sure there were jokes that were for the kids, jokes that were for everyone, jokes that were just for the parents. And I did that from like second grade to eighth grade. So performing's not a stretch for you at all. No, like, no, not at all. Like I was a theater kid. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I like, I sort of had, I grew up in a writer's room where my mom was my head writer and my family were my co-writers. So when I took that free intro sketch class at FIT, it was like being back in that happy place and remembering like why I liked my childhood and like what I liked about my childhood. And so then it was just like, oh, well, sketch is definitely, it's not stand up, it's sketch. Um. So yeah, it might have ju- just been the fact that I googled maybe stand-up comedy Philadelphia and Fit has some stand-up classes. Yeah, um, I feel like the 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 people that are going to look for comedy are going to find it. Like you're not the you're not the first person that said I just googled comedy Philadelphia. And yeah, I wish I had a better story. You no, know, it's I. Uh, whenever I ask that question, the story is never as good as I hope it would be. So. Um, <laughs> All right, so you take one. You take the intro class. You end up uh, ends up being Jack, and then you right. take one hundred and one with Jolie, mm-hmm. and you're in almost almost immediately to the point of envy or jealousy. Uh, I'm sure for a ton of people, and I'm assuming this is your first attempt at submitting something yeah. to a fit yeah. project like this. Mm-hmm. You immediately get onto the Halloween show yeah um but okay so you get the halloween show do you remember uh, and i don't want to like did you go spooky did you go scary with your submissions um i tried to do a mixture uh i i what i really tried to think about um because so my professional story troupe storytelling troupe family also did kind of write sketches uh because we would do a december holiday show um at my dance uh studio every year and we would do a holiday sketch so every year we would think about like what's a different way to approach the holidays so that's kind of the tactic i took was how many different avenues are there into halloween Mm -hmm. so i had a joke about like dentists i had a joke about or i had a pitch about dentists i had a pitch about um like all those candy that you get but hate like why do they still make mary janes mm-hmm. um i like ha- i made you know i tried to hit the basics like i have a trick-or-treat i just really tried to make sure that my pitches like i didn't have more than two pitches hitting the same 
aspect mm-hmm. of Halloween to try to sh- show like a very well-rounded view. And that's really what I love about um, shows like the Halloween show or the upcoming um, December show, because it's, there are so many ways into the holiday. Like it's just like holidays are such a cultural phenomenon that there are so many ways yeah. that you can get into it and still be cohesive. Yeah. And, um, and a holiday show and a holiday show, you know, if you're landing on a time period, that's Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, right. Uh, solstice, boxing day. Mm-hmm. There's tons of it. Like, there's a lot there's of like, doors open for it's cold. It's snowing. Um, you know, something that I'm trying to work out. Cause I know like for families, December, like if you have a, a kid, like one kid's in the choir and one kid's, you know, the elementary school orchestra concert is on Wednesday, but the middle school concert is on Thursday and the, you know, just how, jam-packed mm. the holiday season is from a family perspective uh and that's not even necessarily like holiday but it's holiday tangent yeah. so you know what i mean about like yeah, there's there's a ton of options there's a ton of yeah ways to go um so how is what's your experience like in your first writer's room like that well first writer's room that isn't family-based first writer's room that i'm recognizing is a writer's room yeah. like from the start yeah it's Awesome. I I love it so much. I am definitely the type of writer who needs to bounce something off um, people. And I, you know, I got the opportunity to even, you know, just say, hey, who wants to write today? And just get together with a few of the writers uh, and just like sit down and either work on a sketch together or um like pitch things to each other, bounce ideas off of each other, collab, you know. And just being able to say something out loud and know if it makes anyone else laugh helps or if it's just funny to me. And I think I just, I jive better when there's a back and forth, Mm. Um, which there definitely was with my family. I mean, my families are such weirdos. Like we'll just be in a conversation and one of us will say, give, give that line to me again. I have a better reading. <laughs> I'm not, I can't tell you how many times we're giving directions. We don't even ask, like we don't even say right or left. We say stage right, stage left. Like that's just how we roll. So definitely being, what I love about the writer's room is the feedback and being able to bounce ideas off of each other and make each other laugh and get to know each other's comedy styles and and see ways that like I can I guess learn different types of humor just by being in the room and seeing how different people approach my baby of a sketch whenever like and this is I think this is a fairly recent thing uh that fit when they do submissions for these kind of projects or shows or teams they ask about your philosophy in comedy yeah uh do you remember what you wrote i i do um so i like comedy that um speaks truth to power and brings power to emotional truth so um the patriarchy bingo one is an example of speaking truth to Mm -hmm. power and then emotional truth 
that's like, um, I really like the idea of exaggerating a uh, very common universal feeling or experience to the highest stakes, to like how high it feels to you when it's like, I can't believe I just missed, I, I was rushing here and I just missed my subway and I'm pissed. Or I mean, maybe that's not a great, but like something that is mundane that we get worked up about yeah, and giving it all of the power that our emotion gives it and seeing what that looks like in a reality, in a sketch. Uh, and you're like fairly new, just, just mm-hmm. took 101, first writing room officially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ask everybody as we wrap up, um, what's something you've learned about comedy that you would pass on to somebody? What's a little nugget of wisdom that you've already caught on to? Um, I, I think the, the nugget of wisdom is uh, to always just do a vomit draft because you don't know what you're going to get. Like, just get something on the page. Just keep writing. Don't worry about, like, I hate this character's name. I often get, I used to get stuck up on, like, what am I going to name this character? And I, like, wouldn't write for 10 minutes (laughs) because I couldn't think of the perfect name. I'm also really bad at naming things. Um, But it's, like, just get the idea out while it's fresh in your head. Just get it down and... I've stumbled upon some of my favorite jokes that way. Uh, like I, I was writing a sketch recently and I just wrote, I, I wrote down something that was obviously false. And in my head I was like, really? And then, and then I was like, sure. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Next. Like that's what the characters said next. And I think just getting that vomit draft out and getting it on the page um, and even bringing the vomit draft into the writer's room. Because uh, sometimes what feels like vomit to us isn't one man's vomit. I don't know. But just get it on the page. And finally, I mean, I, we talked about it a little bit, I think, bits and pieces here. But uh, mm-hmm. why is comedy the way you want to spend your time now? Oh, man. It. Besides the fact that I'm the happiest I've ever been doing comedy, and I that's probably not going to last if what everyone says about comedy breaking you down is true. But honestly, nothing else has ever made me happier than even just like making my writer's room, making the writer's room laugh. Mm. Uh, but I think that there's such a bigger potential to learn when you're laughing. And uh, I, I did make it 46 minutes without getting into a lifty liberal rant. But <laughs> I think we learn best through laughing. And I think there's so much of a cultural shift that has to be done before uh, any policy is going to change. And if we learn best through laughing and we need to learn more about the patriarchy or uh, other realities about our world that we just don't want to face because they're too hard, they're easier to face when you're laughing. And it also, you'll rem- it's easier to remember 
because it made you laugh. And you get that like, I'm laughing. Oh, why am I laughing? Hmm. Uh, so to change the world is why I'm in comedy. <laughs> is that a superpower? Uh, I mean, we can try. All we'll right. see how it goes I'm in a willing years. to try. Um, and besides, uh, I if, love your optimism. And if you don't get last. into comedy, and how are you going to get into the SNL writers' room? And how are you going to meet Kate McKinnon? And really, my uh, my entire life depends on this. No pressure <laughs> for the uh, um, love story that you have in your head. I mean, it's basically a prophecy. I mean, like <laughs> she's going to be on other shows. Like you could be a writer on like Fallon or Seth Meyers, and meet her there too truly though true (laughs) true comedy goals i mean like i'll marry kate mckinnon if i have to but uh i i would absolutely love comedy goals be in the writer room when amber ruffin gets her late night show that is what i want more than anything You can see Julie's work as Sansom Street Hell House continues at Philly Improv Theater, October 25th, 26th, 27th, and 31st, Halloween night. All those shows are at 9 p.m. and tickets are available at fitcomedy.com. Hey, and if you want to see me doing something weird on stage, I'll be performing at Sketchworks at Fit on October 26th at 11 p.m. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at PHL Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, rate, review, and subscribe. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy. <laughs>